Welcome to episode five of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. You know the drill. Each week we will read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that will debut on March 30th. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and Moon Knight-related news. My name is Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good friend Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, good to be here. Looking forward to talking about these books. Yes, uh, this week we're going to be diving into the final issues of Moon Knight Volume 1. These were published in 1983 and 1984. This week we see... Both Bill Sienkiewicz and Doug Mensch move on to other titles, and after which there was a rotating cast of writers and artists that bring the Moon Knight Volume 1 to a close. Uh, Dan, go into the specifics. Which episodes are we talking about? And get us started. Sure. So these are issues number 27 through 38 of the, the first volume of Moon Knight, like you were saying. 38 does close things out, so we're finishing up here. Uh, These are, if you thought last week's were wildly uneven, I think you might find that this week's is even more of a mixed bag than we had before. And I think there's reasons for that that we're going to talk about as we go along. Yeah. But essentially you're going to see there's a lot of more writers on here. There's a lot more artists. There are fill-in stories. There's backup stories. So there's a lot more chances for them to sort of have interesting stories. There's also a lot more chances for things just to be really disconnected because we don't really have that sort of consistency that you have when you've got one writer and one artist who sort of are on the same page and doing something the way we had for most of the first 20 or so issues here. That said, there's some interesting stuff. We're going to start out by just talking about a few of these and basically I'll give just a real quick overview uh, of what's going to happen in these stories and then toss it back to you to think what or to find out what you think about them. Issue number 27 is where we're starting off and this is a a fill-in issue. Uh, It's a cop killer story essentially. What we find is that there's a policeman who is friendly with Moon Knight who he finds out uh, sees killed. Um, At that point he starts investigating trying to find what's going on starts to get involved sort of with police politics, realizes that a number of, in fact, all of the cops that are being killed are actually corrupt and are in service to the kingpin. Uh, He goes in, gets beaten up by the kingpin, ends up eventually in a showdown between two of the officers, one of whom he thinks is the killer, but the other one actually is, almost makes a horrible mistake and gets himself killed in the process. But all's well, eventually he comes, uh, comes through and saves the day. Dwayne... What do you think of this? So I, so I'm not gonna lie. We talked about this before we started recording, and I was like, I don't even really remember this story that well. It didn't, it didn't really resonate with me. Though when you started describing what happened, it, it did click to me, and I, I do remember Kingpin. I do remember the, uh, the, the kind of the. I think it's this guy, and it turned out it was the other guy because they were partners and all that, and. I don't know. This was it. It was okay, but it like 
I think the coolest thing was I'm a Daredevil fan, and and so seeing Kingpin was was kind of cool. But there there wasn't much of this story that 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 really resonated with me. No, and and really that's the right call in a lot of ways. This was a decent story. It wasn't by any means anything bad, but it didn't really draw me in either. I don't think that the mystery was as fully formed as it could have been in some ways. Uh, it actually got a little bit muddy and confusing, and how Moon Knight ever solved this in, in the end is kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. Right. That mm-hmm. said, there is one or two things about this that I think are remarkable. One of them is, I haven't really mentioned before, but we've had a number of Miller covers, Frank Miller, speaking of, the, of Daredevil, uh, covers that have been on some of these issues, many times in competition will, with Bill Sienkiewicz, where he has submitted, there's actually, a, there was a backup story where he showed some of his covers, Sienkiewicz did, as That's well right. as the covers that were chosen. In many cases, they were Miller Partly because the editor said, I didn't really like your cover, Bill, and Frank was just hanging around the office, so I told him <laughs> to make a new one. And, and that's how it happened. But these are actually some really nice covers, including this uh-huh. one. So the Frank Miller covers from the Daredevil first run are pretty nice. If you haven't taken a look at them, they're worth going out and, and searching up. Also, the writer of this issue, I think, is notable simply because it's written by Stephen Grant, right? Which is... <laughs> weird you know if you had an issue of batman that was written by an actual guy named bruce wayne that's the equivalent <laughs> that is it, right? yeah that is that is just I, I now that you mentioned it i did see that and i'm like that's weird that and, that, and that's not just a a pseudonym where someone's pretending to be funny or whatever or doesn't want their name on the book that actually is a writer he's written a number of things for marvel and other publishers who started really? his career just a few months after the first mention of Stephen Grant as a character in Moon Knight. So they came into comics almost together. And in fact, this isn't even Stephen Grant's first Moon Knight story. There was one other that I forgot to mention that he did write earlier as well. So very strange, though. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's probably that odd little tidbit is the most interesting thing about this one. This would be a book that, yeah, if you wanted to skip while you were going through your review, it would not hurt you at all. Um, on the other hand, number 28 now comes back to a what I think is a much stronger offering. This is one where Bill Sienkiewicz is back on art, and Marlene is invited to give a lecture in the sedan on the tomb that her and her father had excavated back in Moon Knight's original origin story. She asked Stephen if he wants to go along, just take kind of vacation, get away from all the bad guys for a while, that sort of stuff. And so they take off. Uh, when they get there, they're welcomed by someone who's supposed to be a tourism minister for the country. Turns out he is, in fact, uh, trying to nefariously steal uh, a treasure from the tomb. He kidnaps Marlene, takes her out to the desert. Moon Knight has to follow, gets there. All sorts of you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark type adventures ensue, and eventually Conchu saves the day by bringing along a gust of wind just when Moon Knight needs it so he can take out the bad guy and, and save the day. So this, though, was all, all sort of having fun with it aside. This was a really good issue. It was fun. The art was spectacular. The story was well-paced, and it's really an excellent issue. 
Yeah, it, so. it was it was pretty good. I, I definitely after a, a, after twenty seven, this this definitely was a nice a nice comeback. Like this, hey, this is this is fun. I think it's I think it's funny. Um, the 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 points when like Marlene needs to get a hold of Moon Knight, so she like wants to get like patched in through the through the cowl radio and like they're talking and then like he <laughs> she's like let's go on vacation because i need to be i need to give this talk in the sudan and it was just like he's fighting people and, and she's talking through the cow i just i thought that was amusing as all get out and and just that was that that partially kind of made this issue and like the story i i didn't expect the guy that ended up being the kind of the bad guy or the villain in this to be the bad guy villain of this um but and and it was a nice to go back to kind of like issue one where we're back to egypt and the sudan and back to the archaeological spot the they're talking about the fact you know this is this is where Kanshu was this is where this whole thing started and and so like it almost felt like this could have been issue 38 kind of thing kind of bringing it back full circle mm -hmm. but it ended up being uh you know obviously a lot closer to to you know the middle than the end yep yeah i i enjoyed this one 29 and 30 now we get back into some really sort of interesting stuff and again Bill Sienkiewicz kind of gets to go a little bit crazy. So what happens here is Jack Russell comes back. He's being chased by agents of this rich Satanist named Shiler Belial. Uh, Satanist wants the werewolf by night so he can use him for a ritual he's planning to impress all of his sort of minions who've started to lose faith in him because he keeps saying that, you know, Satan is coming, Satan's coming, and they're like, you keep telling us, but nothing ever happens. Uh, so he's been chasing after the werewolf by night for months and actually has a little chip implanted in his head so that they can track him and find him. Russell and asks the Moon Knight for help. Moon Knight arrives too late, and Russell then turns into a werewolf, runs off. Moon Knight chases him, ends up fighting with the werewolf, ends up fighting with the Satanists. However, Jack Russell does get away in the morning. Moon Knight finds him, takes him back to the mansion. He then escapes again. Eventually, Moon Knight and the wolf are fighting on a rooftop. They both fall out or fall off, get knocked out, and the cult just comes along and collects them and takes them off. They then escape, and in one of the weirder little twists, Marlene's evidently a hypnotist, and so she hypnotizes Jack Russell so that when he's a werewolf, he will know that Moon Knight is his friend and not attack him. And this works. Because eventually they both end up going back up, fighting off all of the Satanists. And when Jack Russell turns into the werewolf and starts fighting, he somehow, uh, that suggestion keeps him from taking on Moon Knight. And instead he just takes the Satanist and throws him off the roof. So another, uh, another one episode villain, because there's, there's no bringing him back from that, I don't think. Um... What did you think of this one? I, I I really liked it. I actually just think that this was one of the best stories uh, of this set of comics. I I don't know if it's because I now have this like, um, 
I have I, I have this recollection of Jack Russell both from the or original original origin story as well as you know uh, you know just some of this this other stuff. But he he's like I like I, I'm starting to like that character, and so having him there along with Moon Knight, I think is is really interesting. I thought the art was really good. I think this was one of the last ones that Bill Sienkiewicz actually ends up doing in this in this volume, and um, they had the the kind of the narration of this was from Jack Russell's point of view, which I thought was kind of an interesting way of doing it, and it mm-hmm. and it and it just sort of made made the whole story really interesting to me. They you know he get. Russell got captured at one point before he got to New York, and that's how the the implant was in his head, and so they were tracking him. And Moon Knight figured that out, and they were going to get him get it removed, but they got they got it figured out right before he was going to turn. So they were like, "Everybody go hide in the basement, and, and and I'll just take care of him one last night before." And it, nothing seemed to work out very well. But yeah, the Marlene thing is a hypnotist just out of nowhere seemed kind of just convenient, I guess would yep. be the best way to put it. Uh, but, but I liked, I, I, I really liked the story and, and I think that um, I, I think that it was, it, it would be well worth reading uh, if you get a chance. Yep. I, I like these. This is actually, it's a good thing to remind me to note. This is the last Bill Sienkiewicz issue in this run that he did the pencils. There's a few covers still coming up. But yeah, this is the end of his run as far as the the main line. And it was a a very strong finish. So really good art, really interesting story. And I think more than that, it's it's classic Moon Knight in terms of its feel, kind of the vibe of it. You know, it's yeah. a little bit spooky. Uh, it's got just this the kind of story that would fit in very well with some of the old time horror adventure comic type things. And so the themes and everything else, I just really enjoyed this one a lot. Highly recommend it. I felt like it was the right amount of art to text. There's been some issues that have been very, very text heavy. And I feel like there was... I, I felt like they hit the exact right balance of I I had just enough wording in here to know what's going on and to complement the images that I was seeing. And it wasn't there wasn't a lot of time spent, you know, rehashing things I already knew or or somehow, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was just bringing people up to speed or something. There, there wasn't a lot of wasted words i guess would be the best way i would put it that that if you hadn't been reading up till this point they were trying to bring you back in and and so i I liked that i got through these books relatively quickly yep it's and it's going to continue that way but i think that's another indication of how sinkevich sort of leads that modern style of comics in in some ways because he's probably his art is encouraging Mensch to change the way he writes more than likely so but with that sadly we say goodbye to the spectacular bill sinkevich and move on to another artist another young artist who is somebody who also is going to have a very distinct style as we move through the years i have read a lot of comics by kevin nolan 
And he's also done a lot of covers for Marvel. He's got a very vibrant, distinct style. It also, kind of like Sienkiewicz before him, is an acquired taste sometimes, and it takes a little while to get used to. And also, because this is some of his earliest work, it's not as developed as some of his later stuff. Um, this first issue, is 31 and 32, is a two-part story where Nolan takes over on the art. Uh, so the story itself basically focuses on a group of street toughs called the Savage Studs who are going around terrorizing local businessmen, shaking them down for protection money. I really liked this story. I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of... It, it, it is simple. It does have its flaws. I mean, the, the whole idea that these, these kids are shaking down the owners because they want to put on a dance to show how tough they are. I mean, come on, give me a break. Uh, but, but the, the idea of like these, these street, these street kids shaking down owner store owners for money, for protection from bad things happening that uh, of course they themselves would do, uh, mm -hmm. what was, was it, it's not the most complex story. It's not, it, 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 it went exactly where I thought it was going to go, but it was still well done. And I, and I actually, I liked the art too. Uh, I think the focusing the narr again, the narration in these two books was not from Moon Knight's point of view, but actually from the kid Lenny. And so you could really see the struggle that he had. He, he didn't really want to be there. And like, he 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 did go back. He did steal the 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 music box that that she played when he was a kid, and then went home. She was heartbroken that this thing was gone, and he was gonna give the money to the Savage Studs, and is like, no no, I know where it is. I'll go get it. And so he goes back with the idea of potentially getting you know getting the mood, the the music box back. And then that's when the confrontation with the studs happen. Uh, the leader of the studs and Lenny start to fight. The, go the, the leader pulls out a switchblade, ends up stabbing the, the store owner. And, and it's just, it's, it's like heartbreaking, I think. And, it, and it's not, like I said, it's not groundbreaking. It's not something I didn't see that was coming. But I just felt like the story was good and the story was was exactly i guess what i was expecting or hoping for almost there was a point where moon knight stops the business owners for going and to trying to shake down the kids because because they're like we're done we're not paying for the you know, this protection anymore and it's mm -hmm. like i could see all this stuff happening and it just it felt real i guess more than anything else and so I, I just, I liked the story and, and, and I was apprehensive about, uh, the, the new artist, but I felt like these were, this was a good story for him to start off on and he did a really good job with it. Excellent. That's good to hear. Yeah. I, I think that all those points I would, I would concur with. And it's, it's also interesting that 40 years ago, you know, a lot of these story points now we see commonly in movies and in tv shows and things like that a lot right. of these more socially relevant stories were kind of new to comics in the early 80s you didn't you didn't see a whole lot of this stuff so this really was you know now it's something we're used to but back at the time it would have been a little bit more cutting edge 
than it maybe seems now too. So a lot of the points that you liked would probably have been emphasized and and even even more in its favor back when it was originally published. So this is something, by the way, that then we're going to see this for a while now because this episode or this uh, issue does not have a traditional supervillain. Right? He's not fighting somebody in a, in another cape or in running around in their tights. Uh, he's fighting a street gang. The next issue, it's going to be a reporter and a guy who just kind of is a, a local thug as well, local strongman. And then the issue after that, again, it's a bunch of kids who are turned crazy by chemical waste. So for, for three straight issues, we have more of this social relevance stuff where the actual who's, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy is a little murkier. And where it's more about him just being there sort of witnessing these stories within within the city that he lives in. So just to, to move on and talk a little bit about um, number 33, what happens actually is you've got a reporter named Joy Mercado who's looking to go out and find some of these sort of almost legendary tough guys within New York and then write stories. But... Once she finds one of them, who his name's actually Druid Walsh, when she finds him, she's unimpressed because he keeps, he's super strong, but he keeps not being as ridiculously violent as I think she wants him to be. So when she writes her story about him after tricking him into a date where she can learn more about him, it is largely negative and makes him angry, at which point he goes up, kidnaps her, takes a bomb along to some sort of picnic, at a restaurant, and then eventually ends up blowing himself and the whole top of the building kind of up as Moon Knight saves the reporter, at which point he's sort of like, you know, you're really the villain here you know, as you go and write your story. What did you think of this one? I, I This one did not resonate with me nearly as much. I just, I think the, yeah, the, the reporter character wasn't, wasn't very interesting and like i didn't really like the way the whole getting the interview with druid walsh happened and then she's like oh i'm gonna get i'm gonna profile these people so i'm gonna profile moon knight so i'll just send him a message and he'll of course come to me and conveniently enough that's exactly what happens after he reads the profile and he's like oh hey, this Druid Walsh guy is probably not going to like this profile, so I should probably go check on her. And it yeah. just, I don't know, it just, it, it as interesting as the stories before this were, this one just fell completely flat for me. I would concur. I didn't like this one much at all. It's probably enough said on this one. We'll just, uh, it was a little, it was a little bit preachy. It was a little bit just kind of uh, uninspiring. Let's let's move on to the. Uh, Do you want to 34. talk about the backup story for this oh, issue? Oh my goodness! Okay, so yeah. that was <laughs> that, Vault, that Vault of Night. Yes. Oh my goodness! So this is one of the weirdest Moon Knight stories you will ever see. Um, it's. It's either called Vault of Night, which is the logo thing, or Scorecard, one or the other. Yeah. Um, but it almost looks like, the, the Vault of Night part looks like the old EC horror. Like, yeah. 
uh, type of type of logo or um, or book title, and then it's the story of this guy who's very much in the vein of one of the old EC horror narrators who's looking at a day in the life of Moon Knight and going through and looking at all the things he does and then judging whether in the end what he does actually is making a difference for good or ending up hurting people. And as he goes along, he's just kind of tracking it down on his scorecard. And it's it's drawn in a very cartoony style by Richard Howell and Danny Bolandi. Um, Tony and Isabella is the writer. Isabella's been around for a long time. He's actually most known probably as the one of the co-creators of Black Lightning over at DC. But he's done a lot of stories over the years. And this one is definitely, it's definitely a fill-in, but it's also definitely a lot of fun. It's just a crazy, goofy kind of story. Um, as someone who doesn't have experience with the old EC horror titles and all the rest, I don't what even... did you think of this? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. And so, like, I had no idea what was going on or what this guy was. He was, the the guy himself was really crazy looking. And, like, it was, like, every second or third panel he was back in there, you know, with his little scorecard thing writing down, is this really good or no, I don't think so. He could have done better and this sort of thing. And it was just... Yeah, I didn't know what to think of this, so I, I, I guess I'm glad that there's like some semblance of inspiration for where this came from. I guess. Yeah. See, if you'd read some of the old Vault of Horror with like the, they've got the old witch or I think the Crypt Keeper as the uh, as sort of the narrators. They're these weird looking sort of characters that go through and and sort of provide this omniscient commentary over. What are usually like um, relatively quick-paced horror stories, uh, that sort of stuff. Gotcha. If you don't have that reference, this is just going to be one of the weirdest stories you've ever read. It it felt and, bonkers. It felt and, absolute bonkers. And in the end, the the interesting thing is. He gets done and he's like, ah, so Moon Knight, we're going to find out now whether he actually does any good or not. And then he looks at the paper and he just sort of tears it up and never tells us. So yeah. we can we can assume that he's unhappy because Moon Knight actually does help. But we don't actually get that uh, that confirmed. He keeps his conclusions to himself. So yeah, that is by far the most interesting part of the of the book. I will yeah. I will say that. Right. Um, it. So issue issue thirty four then is another one of these books where essentially there's a group of kids who are turned crazy. Uh, they come in initially and they terrorize Gina's diner, and in the end or in the process, uh, a young guy from the the neighborhood who Gina had sort of helped to raise, but who's now fallen in with his gang, actually attacks her and puts her in the hospital, and she's quite reasonably angry about this she's like go and get these kids what what do they think they're doing so moonlight follows them goes back to their lair and finds out that they've actually been crashing at this abandoned place which actually has these weird old military chemicals stored at them and because of the military these primal chemicals being there once they opened them up and started smelling the fumes and the like it made them angry and eventually it turned the leader into almost like this monster type of creature which then 
he actually went and basically took out the rest of the gang. They're all laying there bleeding when Moonlight arrives. So he has to defeat him, and then kind of in the process we find out that Mark Spector was involved somehow with trying to do something with this building or, or whatever. Uh, but the chemicals had been left there to three or through two or three different owners, and now nobody knew they were there, and, and so the problem occurs. Again, kind of a, you know, um, one of those things that's anti-pollution and, you know, urban development problems and all the rest sort of wrapped up into one big story. So it's it's definitely three straight books where we're getting hit a little bit with a cudgel sometimes. Yeah, uh, but, but nonetheless... Uh, what what did you think of this one? I mean the 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 biggest thing for this is I felt really bad for Gina in this. She gets she gets attacked in the in the diner by this kid that she helped raise, gets put in the hospital, and then is like scared to even really go back to the diner. And then she goes back to the diner, and the kid shows up again. He's like the only one that survived this attack from the from the gang uh leader attacking the rest of this group of kids and so you kind of have these two things going on side by side at the second the the initial attack and then side by side you have moon knight fighting the the leader and gina getting confronted by by this kid again for the second time and and it just I, I don't think the story was it definitely wasn't a very feel good sort of story and like no. it was not something that like I would want to read again anytime soon. Uh, I think the story was decent. The pacing was okay. I you know it it wasn't wasn't my favorite story. It wasn't the worst story I've read. So it just kind of falls somewhere in the middle. In and I I I, I don't. Necess- I wouldn't necessarily recommend people go out and read this one in particular over over yeah. some other things that we've read, but it, it was okay. No, I would. I mean, it was. It's one of those where normally you'd say it's nice that Gina gets a bit of a focus on her character, but the focus mm-hmm. on the character was not really a, a very pleasant one. You know that right. essentially she's she's attacked in her own in her own store in her place that you know, that she's built. And then at the end, there's kind of this remaining trauma where she doesn't even feel safe in her own diner. And it's it's kind of unfortunate. And in, in the end, we'll, you know, start leading her even in future issues to talk about just leaving New York and heading out someplace else and essentially moving on. So not, not been the most exciting issues so far, right? But we have something zany to make up for it right now, right? Because issue number five is just really weird. It starts out in in kind of a an embarrassing fashion for Moon Knight because he's facing off against someone called the Fly, and actually somehow manages in the first few pages to be beaten by the Fly so badly that he's put in the hospital and they're not sure he'll ever be able to walk again. So he's in a wheelchair, um, spends about the first half of the book in the wheelchair. And during that time, you start to see that there are a number of people being killed by sort of wind force type things about time. Uh, about time, Many of them are uh, Russian uh, ballet company members who have defected to the West. 
Eventually, Moon Knight figures out that this is because they are being killed by a seven-foot-tall teenage mutant ballerina. She's 14 years old and is very angry that all these other people who have the skill to be um, to be dancers for Russia have, have left and taken their skills elsewhere, while she, overnight, went from being a ballerina to being a mutant who grew to be seven feet tall and no longer could dance. So now she's using her wind powers to take out her... Her anger on all of those folks. Somehow, realizing this and having seen one of the the um, dancers killed in front of him, Moon Knight just decides he's no longer injured and stands up uh, out in front of the chapter and and away he goes. Never really explained how he's able to do this. It's, it's completely ridiculous. It was comic books for you. It was the inspiration of the yeah. of the dancer that he watched. It does seem. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was basically it. It so, was crazy. It never mentioned again. He's completely back to being able to jump off buildings on the next page. And then after that, he sets up this elaborate sort of uh, thing at the, at the dance uh, or the ballet the next night where not only the X-Men... But the Fantastic Four are there as backup for him to defeat this seven-foot-tall ballerina. So, sir, what did you what did you think of this? So, so first off, this is a double issue. Obviously, this was this was a very long. It was a, long, it was a issue. long issue. Yeah, and um, I, yeah, the, the the ridiculousness of you you see this fly character at the beginning, and you think there's. No, this, this is ridiculous. This is a piece of cake. This is the type of character that Moon Knight just, you know, beats up in his sleep. And he just yes. gets thoroughly trounced and gets, like, his his heavy heavy trauma to his spinal cord and, 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 and is going to have to try and, you know, learn to walk again, potentially. And, and entirely unexpected. Um, yeah. But I... And so he starts questioning, like, whether or not he should be a hero, superhero anymore or any of this sort of thing. And I have to tell you that as somebody who doesn't, you know, I'm not, I guess, as in deep in comics as, as others are. I really find these kinds of stories where the superhero deals with adversity really interesting and so i really liked that and, and actually it seems like there is a time period of about almost a year that goes by where he is in the wheelchair and trying to learn to walk again after this happened before this this uh that this this whole story of these uh ballet dancers getting getting killed and 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 the situation where during a press conference that Stephen Grant is you know helping to put on he's like I'm helping to put on this the this troop coming to town uh you know this this mutant shows up and and kills the the guy that that they've been meeting with and talking and became friends with during this kind of sponsorship to get this trip to come to town. And, and it just, it was, it was really, it was really interesting, I think. And then like him going and talking to professor Xavier and then everybody just sort of sewing up opening night because they're like, Oh, she's definitely going to show up and finish off everybody else. 
at, at at opening night and so yeah you have in one section of the theater you have the x-men in another section of the theater you have you know the fantastic four you've got marlene and frenchie helping on one side of the stage you got moon knight up in in one of the balconies as well it, it was just and, and xavier's like no, we gotta let Moon Knight do this. We gotta let Moon Knight do this. Moon Knight needs this. He's he's his confidence is shaken, you know, because Storm's like, I can take, I, I can take her. This is no big deal. But and then just seeing them all just sort of go crazy once things start flying, I I just it it felt like a really big comic book story. And and with the adversity in there, it was just like, I really liked this story. This it was. It, if you're gonna have crossovers too, I feel like this this is how I want to see crossovers of with other other comic book heroes. Very cool. There you go. I I was just, I mean, it's the the team they've assembled is to face like a Galactus level threat, and it's and it's this you know teenage girl with wind powers was a little yes. bit crazy to me. Yeah, it should it should not have taken this many people, but it was cool the way they got everybody together and you know. Things just kind of hanging out, talking to Nightcrawler, and oh, you guys are here too, type of thing. So nobody knows what's going on, but it it was fun. I liked Kevin Nolan's art in this a lot. I think you start to see his style start to come through a little bit, and the like. He's got a very angular style. His eyes, especially, are always very distinctive when you when you see a Nolan book, because the eyes are like these, almost like a black really really thick line a lot of times he's got um almost like just little little window slits for eyes and really really interesting the way that he does like his posing and everything else i think it makes sense why they chose him as somebody to be the replacement for sinkevich because he does have some of the same tendencies in a lot of ways um his art is complimentary in a lot of ways i think it fit into the book really well and in this one he did a nice job but yeah it was this was i would agree it was a a big goofy comic book story especially the second the second half of it it, it was a spectacle is, nope. is what i would say it, it 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 felt like double issues sort of material not not that i'm again not that i'm as fluent as others but like if i'm going to spend read 40 44 pages in a book, this is the kind of story I want to read if I'm going go. to spend that time to do it. Well, look at that. I think I think right now I'm saying you are digging many of these books maybe more than I did even, which I am totally celebrating. That's awesome. So <laughs> there we go. I'm, better I'm better totally, than last better than last I'm week. Totally I, on board I'm with definitely that. Definitely that. So next one though, um, now we have a crossover with Doctor Strange. Uh, so, just as a quick note before we go any farther here, for long-time comic fans, I think what we've seen the last five issues throws up massive red flags. So, in issue 31, our artist leaves us. Heading into these other issues, Mensch is increasingly not there, so we're losing our writer. We're seeing a bunch of team-ups where they're bringing in other people. All of this is basically like watching somebody start to inflate the life rafts on, a, on an ocean cruise, right? You, you can just see 
that they're now going, okay, well, we're losing these guys. How are we going to keep sales up? What are we going to do to keep this book kind of afloat, essentially? And I, I'm pretty sure that even at the time I've been reading for a few years, I would have been able to go, well, this, this seems a little worrisome, right? Because that's one way back in the day where they would try to get people to try out a title again or to up the numbers on something would be to take other characters, put them in there, and then hope that the people who read Doctor Strange or read The Thing or the fact that everybody was reading X-Men back then, that if there was a crossover in Moon Knight, they would then pick up that issue of Moon Knight. So, well, welcome to the beginning of the apocalypse, essentially, right? As we're heading into 36, we've got our second consecutive crossover and completely new art and and uh, and story teams. So... This is, this is actually a pretty good outcome for all of that because what we ended up with actually is Bo Hampton, who is an artist I've always really liked, uh, did the pencils. Alan Zelenitz is there as the writer. And the story they came up with involves Doctor Strange showing up unannounced at a museum opening that's hosted by um, Stephen Grant, who bought a new wing for the museum. Uh, when they're there... Or when he gets there, Strange immediately sees Marlene's necklace and says, there's something really wrong going on there. I sense emanations. You've got to take that off. And for whatever reason, Stephen Grant's like, go away, Doctor Strange. What do you know about magic and things like this? Right? And so even though Marlene is increasingly feeling unwell and he's got to take her home and all this other stuff, even when she goes to bed, she doesn't take the necklace off, right? She's just got it now. And it turns out she's being actually inhabited by the spirit of an ancient Egyptian uh, priest who sacrificed sacred cats, was caught by a priest of Khonshu, and then was essentially um, killed and embalmed with that necklace around him to prevent his soul from ever escaping. So now she is inhabited by that evil um, cat-killing soul. All the cats in the city hate her now and are trying to scratch her and everything else and attack her. And it takes so long for Doctor Strange to literally follow Moon Knight around all night just trying to convince him that this is a problem. They eventually go back. All sorts of things are, are going wrong back at the house. And eventually the priest of Khonshu and the evil spirit named Enutef end up having a fight on the astral plane that Doctor Strange sort of facilitates and watches, and eventually um, Prince of God or the Priest of Conchu wins the day, and Merlin is safe. But this is a really odd story. This is it's a, this is a really really weird story, and I have to say this is like one of the first times I've ever seen Doctor Strange in the comic books. And I thought he looks really weird. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting exactly, but I had this, you know, Benedict Cumberpatch look sure. in, in my head. And, like, I like that better than the actual comic book version of Doctor Strange, if I'm being at all honest. But I liked, I, I kind of liked this issue. I, I felt it was a little unbelievable that Moon Knight just was not giving Strange the time of day on this idea like throughout the whole thing 
And Strange mm-hmm. is like, you know, you can see this. This is happening. Things are happening. I have to keep coming. And like, like these minions of this evil presence were like almost crashed the helicopter because they were just, you know, made the made the propeller stop mm-hmm. turning. And, and like, so if Strange hadn't been there to stop him, that would have that you know that would have been big trouble. And there was another instance like that. And and yeah, all this the cat attacking as they're leaving the museum. It was just, it was just I. It felt a little unbel. It just felt unbelievable that Moon Knight wouldn't listen to him. But at the same time, like the we had this idea of Kanshu potentially resurrecting Mark Spector, and that's how this whole thing started, right? But mm-hmm. like in this issue, we get the idea of it's not Kanshu. It was he he's he or he's inhabited by a priest of Kanshu, and so like there's a kind of almost a different explanation as to what exactly happened or what's powering him being back alive and 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 yep. and doing the bidding and stuff, and so it was it was really interesting then that he's like strange like I you have this essence about you that I can see and it's it's I need your help along with what I'm doing in order to be able to take out this this bad this evil presence that's inhabiting Marlene and and it, so like he's not just he didn't just get get resurrected and just thinks this is happening and that sort of thing there is a apparently some sort of physical presence around him or some essence around him which i think i was i wasn't expecting um as, as part of kind of the explanation for why moon knight is here yep. i guess so i think from that point of view i thought that the inch the the issue was interesting and 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 carried some weight to it but yeah the the thing i kept thinking was with everything that's kind of happened, you you talked about the lead up of of this. It's like, wow, they must not be doing well if they're doing another crossover right away and all this other stuff going on. It it does sort of feel like it's it's wrapping up, so to speak. I do think that you know you had a question somewhere along the way that said, "Do you think that they knew this was going to be the end?" Right, and I believe they knew this was going to be the end. This okay. 37 and 38 to me feels like a wrap-up story in a lot of ways. So uh, it's a two-part adventure. At the beginning of it, Mark gets a call saying his dad is really sick. He needs to go back to Chicago to be there with him. He ends up deciding not to go. He's kind of conflicted on going because him and his dad have had some problems in the past. Ends up staying in New York, fighting a gang that turns out to be sort of a neo-Nazi gang, defeats them, decides at that point to go back and see his father. By the time they get there, he's already died, so they go to the funeral. Um, and then while they're staying around to sort of wrap up affairs, his dad's body is actually stolen, essentially from grave robbers, and... He has to then find out exactly what's going on, track him down. It turns out one of his students has found a way to gain powers from the dead by using his father's body. And he is sort of got it in his basement and is using it to fuel his eldritch energies, right? So Moon Knight has to go, 
finds him, and then ends up fighting his own father until Marlene gets there and breaks the spell and returns him back to his proper uh, deceased state. So it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting issue. It, it goes into his backstory a lot more than we had been lately and gives us a little bit more depth on the character. But then also at the very end when they're getting on the plane, I think that there's, there's sort of an acknowledgement by Spectre. Mark Spectre is a part of him. Mark Spector and all those experiences is what helped make him. And that because of that, he's kind of starting to become a whole person again as he's leaving on that plane because he's not trying to hide that one part of his experience, you know? So I think I think it's an optimistic ending. But what do you think, sir? What what did you get out of this? I, I did I like when you say it now and I think back to, to reading the issues, I, I, I sort of see it, but at the time I it didn't feel like a wrap-up in the way I was, I guess, expecting there to be a wrap-up. I, I guess I felt like there would be some more finality to it, but there wasn't. And So, so it kinda, more finality in what way? Well, like, almost like a ride-off into the sunset sort of thing, or like, I know that this is what I should be doing, and I'm going just, just going to keep doing it. But there, there was... I guess some finality into it in insofar as like again the whole time through this this volume he he has basically hidden the fact that he is Mark Spector and in fact he's got this room full of things of Mark Spector's that he he basically doesn't want to deal with and and, yep. and and after hearing about his father on being being close to death he goes in there and is just sort of mesmerized by the things that are in there and doesn't really want to deal with it but by the end of the by the end of 38 he's like no i i i am mark specter that is that is part of who i am and and i i i have to acknowledge that and so from that point of view i guess there was some finality i just felt like I don't know. I guess I thought there would be more wrap up with regards to him interacting with other other the the rest of the team or different things like that 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 didn't happen in these issues because he was in Chicago and he was in a well, completely different city than than the rest. So from that well, point and of view, keep in mind too that nobody ever really wraps up in comics, right? Because there's always the chance that the character is going to find a new editor. Or a new writer that wants to take them a different direction. So they're not going to usually give you too final of a final okay. story, right? Um, because, I mean, in this case, again, you know, we get canceled. I think it's, what, eight months until Volume 2 comes out? He's not off the shelves for that long this time. So that said there are some things like i think it's a little bit of an end joke that the last issue 38 is the story's titled final rest right so they they're doing a few things um but it is definitely going to be a until we meet again rather than a goodbye right what's nice though what i like about this in terms of the closing of a chapter of a of a book and you kind of alluded to it. There were times where the story didn't get to end gracefully, right? 
I have stories, you know, the, there's the horror stories from the 70s where we had the DC implosion, where they basically just canceled half the line. Ooh. And a lot of them had, had stories that were in process that you just never found out what happened to those characters. They've literally never come back, right? That is something that's pretty catastrophic in terms of your reader trust when that happens. So the fact that they not only brought the story to an end in terms of they don't really have any open plot threads that really need to be resolved, and if they're going to not use him for a while, they put him in a, in a box that I think most of us can be happy that he's in a place where it's better than when he started and where we're not really like, man, that guy needs to be working on things, not taking an eight-month break, right? Uh. So I actually think that in terms of a final issue of a character who's been out for a while, they did a pretty good job with this. Right. There, are, there are much worse ways. Um, but, but yeah, as far as if you're like, hey, why didn't you know he marry Marlene and, and Frenchie gets to go off and do something else and, you know, buys Gina a new diner or something like this. They're not going to do a lot of that when they know they still <laughs> yeah. want to keep using this character. Okay. Right? So, well, I, I mean, that did beg the question to me. So, like, what happens when you have a character that who has a book that stops being printed? Like, do what? what is the expectation, like, from the reader? Or what, what should we have? I mean, obviously there we know there's more stuff coming and and so they're they're you know because we're looking at a back catalog but like say this was going on right now and this was and this happened what what i don't i don't know how to i guess take what we've just read and compartmentalize it with what may happen going forward i guess this happens all the time i mean it happens in all media it's just consider it the same way that, you know, at the end of a season in modern television, there's usually a cliffhanger on almost every, you know, episodic mystery or sci-fi or, or, or sort of thing. And sometimes you don't have a guarantee there's actually going to be another season. Sure. And sometimes there haven't. And there's one or two that I've watched which have ended really badly and then weren't renewed. If this was being published right now and 38 came out, you would have no guarantees that you would ever see that character again. Right. But usually if they were popular enough to have sustained a book for three years, what's going to happen is if they're not going to have their own book, they're going to get put into a team book. They're going to be making guest appearances. They're going to essentially do what any out-of-work actor would do, which is go and try and find roles elsewhere mm. and see what they can do. Right. And so, usually with somebody who can maintain their own book for a substantial amount of time, they're going to get another shot sometime, but sometimes it takes a while. And we're going to see that with Moon Knight, there's a years-long break coming up where nobody really knew what to do with him, and so he just kind of went out of print, didn't really get used much at all. And then he came back, and suddenly he was a hot property, and, and we've been getting series after series. Um, and it even... It even has changed in that back in the 70s and 80s, they didn't really like to renumber. Most of the time, if a character was good, they'd just keep their series going forever. Now, most series are just canceled de facto after about 12 or 24 issues 
so that they can get out a new number one and try and capture new readership. So now if your Moon Knight is canceled, you don't really worry about it. It just means there's a new creative team coming on in a few months that's going to take it somewhere else. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a completely different sort of situation and ecosystem as far as how number ones and last issues work. But this would have been, for a, for a Moon Knight fan in 1984, this would have been bad. This would have been bad yeah. news. You'd have but, no idea when you'd see this character again. But, but yeah, that's that's what I guess I was kind of thinking is, what, how, how, how would you feel as a Moon Knight fan seeing that kind of those last those last eight or so issues and 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 what what would your expectation have been at that point and i guess i guess yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't know you'd hope that there would be something but there would be no guarantees well and again as somebody who subscribed what happened in that case is that when my subscription was active and that ended then i had I got a little note or something allowing me to change something else to fulfill the rest of the subscription. And that's how I knew it ended, Mm. right? We didn't have the internet or fanzines or whatever. So you also could get very little information. So if there wasn't a note in there saying, Hey, this is the last issue you might, you know, if there's, if there wasn't a note on it on the front that says last issue or whatever, you might be looking for issue 39 next month and it just never comes out. Hmm. So. All right. Well, that is that is all of Volume One. We've gotten through all of that. Was there any new characters or places or items that I that that stand out from the standpoint of something that we should watch for making a return at some point later on? You know, not so much. Um, I mean, there's a few characters in here. You know, the fact that the Werewolf by Night came back, I think continuing to see that that's a character that they they return to and that there's a possibility that maybe they'll want to tie into that sometime uh, is nice probably of of all the things really here that i would look at the the backstory and sort of the focus on moon knight's jewish heritage is probably one of the things that's most important because you really don't have a lot of jewish comic book characters mainstream comic book characters so that is a part of his story that they de- they may want to deal with in the television show, and also that you start seeing come back repeatedly as he's uh, as he's going through the the other series and iterations as we go through the years. Right. Uh, talking about what to what to read uh, from these, I unlike last week, I actually did like a majority of these stories. And would definitely rank them not as the best of Moon Knight, but but very solid offerings. Uh, if all of these are on Marvel Unlimited, so they're available for you to to go in if you have a subscription there and could read them. Uh, I particularly would recommend Twenty Nine and Thirty, especially if you've read any of the Werewolf by Night uh, things beforehand. Uh, I think I think it it feels good to see the reemergence of that character. I liked thirty one and thirty two, uh, the f- first uh, first full issues from Kevin Noland. I think it was a tragic story that was well done, both from a from an art standpoint and and from a story standpoint. And then thirty five just felt like a spectacle, and, and so like it 
if I'm thinking about comic books and I want to see a spectacle, I, I want to see an issue like that. So I, I loved all the teamwork in there. And so I would recommend uh, those five issues from this set. What about you, Dan? I, I think we've, we've got different tastes this week. This is yeah. interesting. I like this. I, 28, 29, and 30, the three last um, kind of Mench-Sinkevich issues, I loved all of them. I, I enjoyed 28, going back to the Sudan and back to the temple and stuff like that. The Werewolf by Night issues were spectacular. And then I actually liked the last two, the ones that deal with Mark going back to Chicago for his father's funeral and then dealing with some of that. I think that, again, as especially in retrospect, as a, as a wrap-up issue, I think they did a nice job on it. And that was a, that was a good way to put the character to bed for uh, for however long they needed to before bringing out another series. So those would be the five probably that were my favorites among them. Uh, I I also have a uh, what would you call it? I have I have a strong preference for runs where the artist and the writer stay together and build something. Right. So just the disjointedness of going back from you know. Bohampton and then wandering to Brosnowski and then you go to Sienkiewicz and you know it's it, you got Nolan coming in in the middle there and everything it's it just got a little bit crazy for me here but there you go overall though it was fun I enjoyed them yeah. all but I would I would recommend the yeah those last three Mitch Sienkiewicz are the top of the top of the pile for me I would say this set of books ranks right up there with the first 12 that we read um, from this volume. Still not quite as good as the Hulk stories, but but are still um, some of the better offerings that were that, that we've seen as far as Moon Knight goes. I, I don't I don't think based on what we've seen from the trailer that any of this is necessarily going to be directly um, tie into what we're going to see in season one of the tv show though there didn't there didn't seem like to me to be anything beyond what you were talking about where it does seem like there's going to be more of an emphasis on mark specter so we might get um things about mark specter and mark specter's background that 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 might tie into to some of the things that we saw here i think one thing we will not get looking at the trailer is the sort of daredevil-esque street-level violence, street-level crime type of stuff that is featured in a lot of these issues that don't have supervillains. Right. It, it seems like they're, they're definitely going to be making a change so that this isn't going to be that sort of story. Uh, but yeah, it's, overall they were, they were different that way. I, I did like that. There was a different feel to some of this. Had a little bit of a, uh, a change of pace at times. Right. So as far as me, I would put these, yeah, kind of behind most of the other uh, volume one stuff and behind the Hulk, and then ahead of some of the early stuff. Right. So, as far as other Moon Knight news, we haven't gotten really any other news with regards to the actual TV show itself. Uh, there's been some, I would say, a couple different categories worth of news that that you can find uh, on the internet right now. Be a lot of dissection of the trailer and different things like that. 
One, one of those I actually liked quite a bit was on The Ringer, a uh, website called The Ringer, talking about uh, Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight accent. And specifically, they said it's not as bad as you think it is. They had they had an interview with a linguist uh, talking about uh, uh, the accent and that. And, uh, you know, the standout quote from that article to me says, I think it makes sense for him not to have the standard London accent because it sets him apart from everyone else around him. Keep being that kind of solitaire, loner, weird kind of person. He it, it, apparently it also when you're that type of person, you tend to have that show up also in your accent potentially. It it won't be you won't necessarily have that same sort of accent that everybody else would have, but um all right. I'm, I'm unconvinced, but uh, all right, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so, beyond dissections of the uh, the Moon Knight trailer, we have a lot of speculation articles. Things like uh, this article from Screen Rant saying, "Should or could the Black Knight make an appearance during Moon Knight?" and gave some mm-hmm. some reasons why we we might see Dane Whitman along with Mark Spector during this. You know, they talk about the fact that that uh, yep. Dane is from London. And presumably, it looks like that's where Mark is, with regards to his job. Museums um, just across town from each other, or something. Yeah, like this. yeah, and, something yep. like that. And, and so there's very, very likely, or it's at least plausible that those two could come together to try and deal with some sort of dilemma that is going on um, across during during these issues. So, again entirely speculation we don't know whether or not that's the case but 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 screen rant at least is making a case for it there and and finally there was a, an article on comicbook.com talking about prices of comics and specifically prices of moon Knight comics have gone up quite a bit since the trailer release uh they had a, they had a top 10 of comic books uh pricing the increases uh in the last week Five of the top ten books they featured in there were Moon Knight comics. Um, so if you have Moon Knight comics, they might be worth a little bit more now than they used to be. So, uh, Dan, you had something that you wanted to mention as far as uh, something that's coming out. Yeah, really, just uh, back in terms of actual like comic book rather than MCU news, it looks like we are getting more Moon Knight. So besides the regular title that's coming out, uh, there's also going to be a, I believe it's a four-issue series called Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood that is going to feature some really spectacular creators and bring kind of a new focus on Moon Knight. So for a while, we're going to have two titles coming out each month. And the first issue is going to be Jonathan Hickman and Chris Bacallo, which, if by any chance you're a comic fan, you know those guys are some of the, the cream of the crop as far as creators these days and uh Bacala especially i've always loved his artwork it's absolutely spectacular uh, the stuff that that he's created over the years so i'm very excited in seeing that also looks like there's going to be uh, a number of other things including some things from uh Sinkevich in there and then a number of other really good creators so something more to put on the old pull list every week there you go all right, well, that is going to wrap things up for this week. What, Dan, tell us what is on the stack for next week. And it's kind Arthur, of an important week. Arthur Harrow is on the stack for next week. 
Okay. Moon Knight villain, and it's the only time you'll get to hear about him the entire time we're talking. So here we go in Moon Knight Volume 2. We're dealing with number one through six of that, which is the complete set. And then also taking a brief look at Marvel Fanfare 30, 38, and 39, which were published around that time. Uh, They are sort of from when Moon Knight was in the wilderness. When he's wandering around without a title, he did get a few issues published in Marvel Fanfare, which is a kind of an odds and ends comic that Marvel published for a while. So, but Volume 2 could be extremely important for the movie, or for the, uh, the TV show. So... We'll just see how that goes. Right. Uh, look forward to that. Um, definite, definitely want to see what this Arthur Harrow character looks like. So, I don't mean I don't mean to uh, put your you know expectations low, <laughs> but you should keep your expectations. I low. should keep my expectations low. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So we want to thank you all for joining us again this week. We really appreciate you joining us, and we hope that you'll stick with us through the journey that is uh moon Knight. we recommend that you subscribe to each episode or subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice whether that be apple google spotify just to name a few though now i guess you can uh ask alexa to play it and it will it will do that absolutely there you go uh if you've subscribed please consider leaving us a review it'll help others find the podcast you can send us questions or feedback on the show via email at questions at phases and for updates on the show as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media please follow the show on twitter at phases of mk until next week take care everybody see you later